Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, February 19. When setting out to accomplish anything, give less thought to what has already been done than to what is required of this particular task at this particular moment. That is an extremely interesting idea, and it has incredible, uh, it, it has impressive implications for creativity in general, for excellence in general, for intuition, for just all kinds of factors. I remember um, I, I went through a long cycle with Swami Kriyananda, where from when I met him very early on, in 1971, which is when I began to live in the community, and by the end of that year I was working very closely with him. It was during the course of that year when I was 24. He told me at that time that he wanted me to um, write a book about him, and I already knew it. He wasn't imposing upon me a duty that I didn't know, because I knew that I was, the way I put it, when I finally published that book, is that I had a front row seat to something that was more significant than my own incarnation. I just was there observing the life of a very important uh, historical figure. He told me that he wanted me to write that book when I, he told me that he, he wanted in my lifetime for me to write that book. When I was 24, he said not yet, which was very helpful <laughs> because I actually published it um, when I was 72. So there was a lot of space that went in between now that I'm talking about it. For those of you who are watching this on video, I'm now holding up this book. It's called Light Bearer. And actually, if anything that I'm saying is of interest to you, I think you would find the book very, very good. For those of you who are watching on video, you can see that it's a little bit of an effort for me to lift this book because it's a great big book, 220,000 words, and uh, it's 45 years of life um, with Swami Kriyananda. But one of the things that started at the age of 24 is he set out to teach me how to write. And I had a certain uh, natural ability from past lives to be able to write, but I lacked the ability to, to, to write as well as I learned to write, is the best way that I would put it. So there was this long training cycle, which lasted decades, literally. Um, I wrote three other books before I published this one, but they were sort of training for being able to write this. Um, and I didn't really seriously start writing till I was 60. But I did a lot of small stuff in between, articles, pamphlets, pr promotions, things like that, which, which finally actually really taught me to write. I'll, I'll tell you, for the sake of those of you who do writing, and just because it's interesting, <clears throat> when I really turned the corner on being able to write was when I moved to be responsible for Ananda's work in Palo Alto, which was in 1986, and for a number of years after that, Swami Kriyananda, now I'm living in a separate community from him. So, you know, I, I'm still greatly in touch with him, but not on the daily basis that I had been before. Um, and I had to start writing the promotions for the whole program that we were doing here, which we were creating as we were going along. It wasn't like it even existed. 
We had to create it, then we had to describe it, and all uh, communication was print media at that point. So we would do these three-month program guides, and we had some beautiful designers. It was all very well worked out, and I had to write to the design because they would lay out a template, and then I would have to describe all of our different programs in the space that was given. So I didn't have a free reign to put in as many words as I wanted. I had to sell the course, so to speak, persuade someone to come in two and a half inches of 10-point type or whatever it was going to be. And it was so interesting to me because I would write like 150 words to describe a a four-part class series. And then I would find out that I only had 75 words. I could only fit 75 words in. And I would take 75 words out of 150 without losing any of the thoughts or the meaning. And so it began to cross my mind, what are all those other words doing in there? You know, they're not communicating, they're not enhancing, they're just clogging the pipe. And it was an extremely uh, transitional point for me. Swamiji had been trying to get that point across to me for a long time, but it wasn't until it became so graphic in that because I'm communicating like this and then I could communicate in a fraction of the words and still get the same message. But prior to that, and this is what I'm thinking about here, there was one really critical point in my learning curve with Swamiji. And I had written a brochure, which I mean, I actually did some good work during the years that he was training me. Much of what I did got thrown away, but also some of it didn't. And, so, and it, none of it was horrible. It just wasn't as good as Swamiji knew I was capable of. And I'm forever grateful that he set the bar high and he never lowered it for me. And he just got me to meet it eventually. But um, coming back to, yes, that we'd had this uh, pamphlet about Ananda. Bear in mind, everything is print media. And it was, it was a very nice pamphlet. It, it was attractive, it was informative, it really served us well. It had all the aspects of Ananda in it, and it was really good. But maybe like eight or nine or even ten years had passed. You know, probably it was like a little less than ten years had passed. And it was just many factual aspects of it were out of date. Probably would have been less than that, more like five years had passed. And so it, I, the task was given to me to do it again. And what I essentially did is I I did the same thing again, only I just made it more accurate. Swami just looked at it, threw it away completely, wrote from an entirely different angle, just wrote about the intercession of God and the miracles and the grace of God and the power, the divine power of what was being manifested. And I had talked about how many goats we had, how many acres we had. You know, it was just mine was complete fact. And his was entirely about the spirit of what we were doing. And it was very, very interesting because actually a very very peculiar thing happened, which is his, what he was saying was, was so far beyond what most of us could comprehend at the time that nobody wanted to print what he had written, but nobody dared to print what I had written because he had thrown it away. So there was this sort of interim period of a number of years where we had no brochure about the community. And when people would ask, I would just sort of say, we had this dilemma, I would have printed what Swami wrote. And what's fascinating to me now is when I actually, when I wrote this book, Lightbearer, and I went through 40 years of paper notes, which I had accumulated, 
um, I, I read what he wrote. It just was wonderful. And it was so obviously wonderful, and it was so obviously true, and it wasn't even far out. It was that none of us could get our minds out of the past. To us, it was about goats and barns and organic gardens and six houses and just stuff like that. And, and the way Swami expressed it to me, even, he said, you know, what you wrote was very well done. He said, it's, but it's not what's needed now. And I couldn't separate myself. Well, actually, I did better than some. I didn't understand what he was doing, but I was willing to go with it. But, but I, uh, many people just couldn't, we couldn't get away from our, our old concept into a new reality. And countless times I saw Swamiji respond that way. We would just come with, this is what we've always done, and now we've moved it a quarter of an inch. But his perception would be, but everything that made that true is not true anymore. Especially in something as dynamic as the growth of Ananda, as our maturation as disciples of Master, as the world's receptivity to these ideas began to shift. It's like everything is different. And literally, every moment is different. When Swamiji trained us to speak, he, he, we, we speak extemporaneously. Now, don't think that that means we're not prepared. Some people think, oh, you speak extemporaneously, that means you just wander in and just anything that occurs to you is God-inspired. No, that's not exactly true. You know, I myself, even though, especially at this point in my life after decades, you know, I have a lot of confidence, I just sail out. But I've studied, and I've studied very hard, and I've thought very deeply, and I've written, and I've made notes, and I've planned... But in the moment, in the moment, it, it's never been this moment before. It's, it's, I myself am different than I was yesterday. The um, audience that I'm speaking to, whether in this case live or, or in the future even, it's, it's just like, how can we know? How can we know any of this except by being as attuned as we are capable of being in the moment to what is being asked of us right now. So what Swamiji is saying, it's not, and this is also important, it's not that you always have to do it differently than was done before. Because sometimes the traditional way or the way it's been done is, huh, it's exactly right. And I've actually had that experience too, which is I've sat down to redo something or to do it fresh in the moment. I've tuned in, I've gotten comfortable with it, and I realize, huh, there's no reason to change this. This is really good. This is also one of the, um, because I'm talking about promotion and advertising, one of the principles of advertising, again, decades ago, there was a little book and it was called Confessions of a Madison Avenue Advertising Man. You know, these are like things that were, that were iconic uh, in <clears throat> 1970. <laughs> That might be history at this point. A man named David Ogilvy, who was very well known in the advertising field. And one of the things he cautioned against, the opposite of what Swami's saying, is that advertisers get bored with their own advertising and they change it just for the sake of changing it. Whereas it's still exactly what it should be. And we're just bored with it. So what we need to do is just actually be fresh in our consciousness so that we can perceive whether or not the way it's always been is still 
really good and really fresh and really still speaks to the moment. It, because we, we hit timeless truths. God is love. You really can't edit that into something better. It just is what it is. I love you. You can't really edit that into something better. It just is what it is, and it's exactly right. And I've often been impressed sometimes when Swami does something, even if he's writing it for the first time or it's new, it's that he, he, the words are not different. It's, it's just that he says them with full awareness in the moment that these are the right words. And it's not low energy, it's not habit, it's not lack of imagination or anything like that. It's what, what is appropriate now. So we're familiar <clears throat> with what's been done in the past, but we offer a prayer. We offer a prayer to our own superconscious or to God or whatever feels appropriate. But let me be here now, as Baba Ramdas said, as Ramdas said, just be here now. And if I were just approaching this for the first time, what are the realities of the moment? What do I what do I feel? What do I sense is true? And that makes creativity so much more fun and so much more likely um, to come from an inspired level rather than just repeating what I already know. Uh, generations change, time changes. I just referred to confessions of a Madison Avenue advertising man, you know, which was an iconic book at the time that I was reading it. A, a Princeton uh, creative writing teacher um, wrote out, and, and this was a, a, a book he wrote, I can't remember what it's called, but it was a book about writing, very good book about writing. I know neither the author nor the title, so I'm sorry about that. But he, he, he listed for his, his college freshmen and sophomores, he, he listed about 50 phrases that in, in, them, in themselves said something. And he, he pointed out that like of the 50 or 100, that generation recognized about 15%. I referred in, in some talk, whether it was this one or another one, to Perry Mason. And as it happened, I was recording in the room and there were about three millennials in the room. And I was talking about litigation that we'd been involved in and I said, our only understanding of courtrooms was Perry Mason. And I could feel, even though I was talking to the camera, that the people in the room didn't have any idea what I just said. And then I remembered that Perry Mason was a detective series that I watched as a child on a black and white television. So like, what were the chances that anybody in the room knew what I was talking about? I thought about that Princeton man exactly. You know, it just, it, it used to communicate, but it doesn't communicate anymore. And my millennial friends will often say things and I'll just have to stop and say, what are you talking about? you know, translate for your grandmother. And I, I, get, I get what it is. But th that's just amusing interaction. We're talking about a much more subtle way of being, where am I trapped in what I already know? Or am I capable in this moment to receive divine inspiration in the now? And the more we practice that, the more it will extend to every aspect of our lives and give us a kind of inner freedom well, that is the ant antithesis of old age and is the antithesis of what Master called psychological antiques, that we can be in the freshness of divine creativity at all times. So Swamiji says, when setting out to accomplish anything, give less thought to what has already been done 
than to what is required of this particular task at this particular moment. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.